The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. I don't think he wants to be in white court. Yeah, I don't think anybody really wants to be in white court. I'm mm. pretty sure we don't have any white court listeners. If we do, I apologize for just insulting white court, but, you know, it's white court. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got like their little gasoline alley there. That's about I, the only uh, place that's... Yes. <laughs> I, I used to do, um, when I was working on the road, I used to do a regular a regular stop there. Um, like Nazareth, Trooper, April Wine... Um, Headstones, Widemouth Mason, George Strait covered. No, it wasn't the, it was the George, it was the Garth Brooks cover, um, tribute act. Um, and on and on fifth season, um, before they turned into social code. Anyway, um, it was this shitty, maybe they could fit 300 people into the bar, um, thing. And it was, it was a country bar the bottom of a hotel but they would bring in all these rock acts Mm -hmm. for a friday or a saturday night show um sometimes midweek too but those shows rarely went over well like wide mouth mason in 90 98 no it would have been the fall of 99 um they did um they maybe put 60 people in the bar there was you know and then that was the peak of their peak of their thing that sounds like probably the upper end of what you would get for an audience there well when, it's not a big town right so yeah it's 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 still it's still twenty five thousand people is it twenty five thousand people i think so it doesn't I mean, feel it, like that when you're driving through it i know but it, that's because all you see is the is that main strip right yeah. like i'm i i was thinking for for a while that might even be as big as uh white court Alberta, not that anyone really cares, but um, whitecourt.ca, um, more about Whitecourt. Let's see, elevation, who cares? <laughs> Just give me, man, do I have to actually type in Wikipedia? It's usually one of the first, oh, there it is. Usually one of the first things to show up. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big oil town anyway. Uh, is it an oil town? I always thought of it as a farm town. Uh, no, it's, there's a couple of, uh, maybe my, my, my viewpoint of it is skewed though. Cause that's where my grandparents are oh, and they're farmers. Yeah. So that could be, um, founded in 1910, um, non-transient population of 10,000. So once you factor in the oil workers and stuff, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. So it's still a small town. It's still a small town. Yeah. But I mean, it, it was, they would, April Wine, Trooper, Nazareth for sure. They sold that place out in no time. It was always wall-to-wall people for, I guess for the older bands anyway. Uh, Headstones even. You know, that was a that was a sold-out show. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know they had much of a show scene there. But Yeah, they have a, even now they have a, um, they have a September outdoor festival, like a three-day outdoor festival, um, open-air music. Hmm put on by one of the radio stations there. Um, I played, I subbed for a band in 2015. I played bass for a band in 2015 that played, that played it and it was raining the entire time and they still had, and they still had a, you know, three or 400 people hanging out in the festival. I, it was more than just a, I guess it was more than just an outdoor show. There were, lots of vendors there too but hmm. um yeah okay i know the red cannons have played there three or four times too hmm. yeah that being said <clears throat> when i was when i was touring through there with bands that was that was you know 18 years ago right so right long time um i haven't yeah. been there for like probably <laughs> 12 years so you're not missing anything. Oh, I know I'm not missing anything. Really not missing anything. <laughs> I lived there for like a year. I, I know I'm not missing anything. Mm. Don't they have a lumber mill there too? It yes. Really. Yeah. I lived like next to that lumber mill. There you go. I used to drive through there more often than I'd stop on the way up to like Grand Prairie or Peace River, I think. I can't remember. Valley View worst smelling bathroom I've ever been in was in Valley View at the Shell station it was so bad I actually couldn't I couldn't go felt that like sounds thro- pretty terrible throwing up instead yeah we drove another 20 minutes down the highway and uh, I peed on the side of the road instead hmm. yeah so even worse than like an outhouse oh man yeah, absolutely. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. Those I've been in. So terrible. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was, and, and I've never been to, I've never been in anything that is comparable even. It was that bad. Hmm. Not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and really nothing related to this podcast. No. Um, anything exciting? Any. Angry yeah, so clients this week. No, no, ang- no angry clients. Um, had a uh, as I plug in as I plug in my phone. Had a um, polka band in this weekend. That was a lot of fun. Um, mostly because of them, but they were kind of a. <clears throat> so the band is, um, uh, Millennia. They're a working polka band. Uh, Mike Brizzo's band. Oh, I mean, okay, it's, 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 it's not his band, but he's in yeah the band then. Okay. And they're, they are super detail oriented, which was fantastic. Um, and we did, uh, 
we did uh three songs um the guitar player had demoed them out um at his place and for one of the songs for one of the three songs they ended up keeping a lot of the stuff that he demoed um in his home studio Hmm. um stuff like ukulele and mandolin and fiddle and that kind of stuff um which was sad for me because that means less work for us and and uh would have been a lot of fun to track that stuff too but but we did we did um the band completely live uh drums bass excuse me piano electric guitar and accordion mm-hmm. two singers completely live um overdubbed all the vocals uh and then a bunch of harmonies and some background vocals and stuff um and then i mean it, it, they, they kind of jumped all over the place um i'm glad i was not drinking with them because they drank a lot um but i would not have been able to keep up <laughs> because they were jumping around so much uh but uh, they had one song that had three accordion parts. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't know how they're going to make it work because they kind of sounded chaotic. <laughs> but yeah. lots of EQ maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was, a, it was a ton of fun. The band was, the band were all, they were all really talented um of course Brazo on bass is so much fun to listen to um although there were moments where he was playing and he looked really angry <laughs> i mean he was just focusing right yeah but he had this he had this just the way his head was tilted down and 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 like this look of concentration on his face just made him, made him look really angry he listens to the podcast he'll enjoy that <laughs> i also got pictures of him sleeping um uh on the couch downstairs Okay. Yeah. Which he doesn't know about, but he will now when he listens to this. It's hard to imagine Mike Brazil with an angry look on his face. Really? Every time I see him, he he, he looks happy. Huh? <laughs> All right. Maybe I've always seen him. I see him laughing a lot, but I have seen him really serious and maybe, yeah. I don't think I've seen him serious. Hmm. I remember one of the first times I met him outside of Long and McQuaid because I met I met Mike at Long and McQuaid like 2004 or something when he was working there. Yeah, yeah. Um, when the the pro audio room in downtown Long and McQuaid was in the east side. Um, it's like where keyboards and drums are. I think so. Yeah. 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 And, and the pro audio room where it is now, that used to be the drum room. Okay. That's where I met Darcy. Cadets. Yeah. Boris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He actually, you know, that, um, that old, uh, red snare that we have from the sixties. Yep. It sounds bongy as crap. Um, Darcy was actually the guy that, that took it from me is what, um, and replaced all the, all the, um, strapping and, and the snares that were beat to crap. And 
and had it had the original skins from the 60s mm-hmm. still on it um that were broken and all that stuff but he was the one that actually took it um fixed it up tracked it down to um whatever manufacturer it was at the time right um that had eventually turned into aot okay yeah i can't remember what the what the process or what the sequence was but but he I should figured I should. out stuff got parts for it and yeah. fixed it up for you yeah i mean and, and the parts were all there, there was like the like the 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 leather straps that held the snares onto the bottom of the were actually leather okay right and they they basically disintegrated they had no strength left okay yeah. like all the moisture this has been sucked out of them and just kind of brittle yeah um, and the snares were all bent and, and not working right. And of course the, the shell itself isn't exactly circular anymore, um, a circle anymore. It's a oh, little, little bit more of an oval. Yeah. That sounds like it'd be fun to find a new skin for. He, he threw on, he threw on some coated emperor, coated Remo, I don't know. I have to look at it. I don't know. It's, it's, it's been, it's been eight years, nine years since he fixed it. And I still haven't changed the skin because that's how often we use it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, how often have you used my snare? We've only used it a couple times, actually. Um, we brought it out on the weekend. Um, cause the drummer just used my kit and a couple of his symbols. Okay. Three of his, he used his ride and two of his crashes. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I'd spent the Friday night before tuning up the kit, mm-hmm. got it sounding really great, but I'd really cranked up the snare, the little piccolo snare, yep. really cranked it up. And it was, it had this wonderful, just snap and crack to it and had great, um, they, they were only, they were doing a two part or a two Tom setup. And so you want up? What do you want? The puppy's pawing at me. What do you want? She was pawing at me too. I don't know what she wants though. I think she just wants a lap. We'll see how long I can last with this. No, you can't drink coffee. Um, You're going to try to talk into the mic? You're going to sniff the mic? No? Okay. Um, Where was I? Oh yeah, so cranked up the snare and everybody that heard it except for the drummer they're like i don't know if that's gonna work (laughs) and so i was like i I have i have lots of other snares and uh and so i i pulled out uh both your make packs and my make packs and and um and brought them in and they gave them a listen and and they were all thinking yeah we really should have a, a deeper snare that that snare is pretty pretty high pitched I'm like, I find well, that deeper just, snares tend to make tend to be more snappy though. Uh, well, I I guess because you can you can you can cut out more mid range, um, and boost the highs at a lower point, which makes them a little snappier. Um, well, like there's the snare I really like at uh, my place of employment. Long McQuaid, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because people don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's like six inches deep, and uh, it's like the most crackiest snare that we have. 
what you, you hit it it's like a super fast just snap it's probably tuned pretty high though maybe right because that's i think it has i think it has more to do with the tuning and less to do with the size right the, the size will dictate a large part of the pitch but yeah um, well i think it's like 14 by like six and a half or something mm, like that yeah and so that would naturally have a lot more low end as well but how tight you how tight you tune it will will determine you know, but that was the thing is is this this little piccolo snare once everybody heard the other snares they were like yeah that piccolo sounds great <laughs> um, and they just decided to keep it okay yeah so that, i mean that that made that decision nice and easy and then no one questioned it the entire the entire way and um things turned out really good i did however have three preamps on the console go down that was disturbing and i i, I obviously i haven't um done any testing yet to figure out where the problem is but the preamps just stopped working um well the channel one um cut out he was a really light kick drum player okay um and channel one cut out for one of the songs um in fact one of the takes that they wanted to keep it was gone um and uh um and i had to uh I had to unplug and plug it back in really quick to give it that, to give it that electronic pop to, because it, it sounded like, sounded like a bad solder joint. Okay. It, it was what it sounded so like. So like an intermittent problem. Yeah. Um, but then more, more problematic was the, uh, the lead, the lead singer, mm-hmm. his vocal mic would just cut out when he'd go really high, like really loud. I know. It was the mic. It wasn't the mic. It it turned out to be either the preamp or the preamp connecting to the patch bay. Somewhere in that chain is the problem. Hmm. Yeah, that's um, that's interesting. I've never heard of. It, it, well, again, sounds like, like a sounds like a like a um. Yeah, no, I I gotta be honest. I don't even know what it sounded like. It sounded fine when it was working. And I bypassed, I bypassed that channel, that preamp, um, and used that input into the Orion and it worked fine. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a problem. Interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, had another crackle. Actually the mic you're talking on now was, was the condenser mic we used on the, um, on the accordion. Okay. We used it and the R84. Um, it sounded great combined. Like the R84 brought in this really nice depth and the, and the, the Kiwi had wonderful clarity. Hmm. Um, oh, excuse me. Uh, but, uh, for the first couple songs, there was definitely, definitely a, not a crackle, but there'd be this electronic or what I think was an electronic just really quick signal interruption. I don't know. Electronic pop. Okay. That's probably the best. And, um, I can't be certain if it was him hitting the mic because he certainly was. (laughs) Um, but, uh, after I went in to talk to him and wiggle the connection, um, then the problem went away. 
Hmm. So it's it, it's one of those two things anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I forgot to mention it to to the guy that took all the files. I should do that. I'll try to remember to mention that. Um, Did you end up finding your missing client from last week? Missing client from last week? Yeah, you were doing work for somebody, and you... oh, I yeah, I totally did. Um, I ended up reaching out to Phil um, at and Power Sound, and, and he was like, "Oh yeah, here's your here's the number." <laughs> of course, felt silly that I didn't instantly reach out to him because, <laughs> uh, yeah, he was like, "Yeah, no problem. It happens, man." <laughs> Good guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't so, have many experiences with Phil, but every every time every I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of things about Phil that are not as flattering. Um but yeah. I could I've, be just bad day though. Yeah, absolutely, right? I've never had I've 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 only had great experiences with him. Um but even even um Anthony you were Anthony, the intern? Yeah. 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 He had a bad experience with Phil, where Phil, according to Anthony, Phil just told him that he should quit. Hmm. Yeah. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I think Anthony has. <laughs> he moved out to Vancouver and he's working computers and stuff, but. Okay. Um, I thought he had an intern job at like some big studio. There. So did I, but it, it, it turns out he was, um, he was doing audio post for a internet TV show. Okay. Um, and now, uh, it just sounds like he's doing, it's, it just sounds like he's working computers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the girl he's, he's attached to down there is going to be a high priced doctor anyway, but. Okay. I mean, the, the, <laughs> there's worse things in this world to. Yeah. I know, right? It's all good. It's all good. I should have, um, he'd, he got a Mac tower for free from work when he was working here and he wasn't sure if he had any, if he had any need for it. And so I should have pushed harder to buy it from him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he would, he, he was going to give it to me for cheap. Um, changing gears. Yep. I had a email late last night mm -hmm. from a, um, another podcast actually Oh yeah. that they were looking, they were trying to figure out how to record a phone conversation, um, into their podcast. Um, not techies at all. Okay. Um, so I did a little research this morning and this is something that you and I, uh, can look at because we can, we can start, we could start doing phone calls with, um, like your buddy Walker or, uh, or some of your, some of your buddies overseas. Um, I haven't talked to many of my buddies overseas lately. No, I should probably do that. Just reach out and be like, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, and you know, see what they're going on. Yeah. Have them on the podcast. Anyway, so I, I was doing some research to try to figure out how to do this. And we have we have the luxury of having um, interfaces that have high channel counts, both of us, right? Yeah. So channel counts aren't always an issue. Um, but 
it looks like it looks like something like the Apogee Jam or or um, IK Media's iRig might be the simplest solution for. Can you just plug a, a out of the headphone jack of your phone and go into a preamp? Well, you could. Um, that sounds like the easiest way to go about it. But then, but then the part that then the uh, the person on the phone is going to be reliant on on the f- microphone that's on the phone itself, right? Which isn't isn't the end of the world, no, right? But if you if if we can provide them with a little higher quality audio, why not? Right. So using one of those i rigs or what have you mm-hmm. to put it like a better quality. Okay, I I get that. Yeah, that's the idea. Because then, then at least, at least we can fold back these mics into the phone, and and he's he's he whoever whoever you're talking to on the phone feels like it's it's um, a little higher quality, right? Sure. Yeah, that's what I was Out thinking. Of a anyway. little tiny like quarter of an inch speaker. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, I'm probably overthinking this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to. I'm going to send that to. I'm going to send that to the guy that emailed me last night. Say, hey, there's another option. <laughs> um, that'd be my go-to is just get a cable to connect the headphone jack into the into a preamp, whatever and, and you're done, using. Then be done with it. Yeah, yeah, and then just wear a headphone so you can hear the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do that. We have headphones. Yeah. Yeah. I need to go get uh, more headphone extensions. Um, Something awful happened on the weekend. Uh, Friday night, um, the, the Tom mount, one of the Tom mounts for the Mapex kit. Yep. The screw stripped and won't hold anymore. Like the the locking nut, or yeah. is it a locking nut? The not the locking nut, but the one that you like you you position the tom in place and screw it tight. It screw it like it, it tightens onto the little little ball joint. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. But it is still like one of those thumb bolt. Yeah, ones. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it's the thumb bolt itself or if it's if but it's something stripped, something in there stripped, and yeah, made me very sad. Another one of those things on have to deal with this week luckily those things last a long time yeah i got at least good quality ones do i got seven years out of it yeah so you got your money's worth yeah yeah considering considering i paid peanuts for that for that kit yeah so just buy another tom mount i'm surprised no one's broken any of my symbols either don't you have some cracked symbols that you like the sound of? Those, so yeah, I have some, <laughs> I have some chinas that I, that are cracked that are beaten up, but um, well, that's fair. One of those, someone broke, but two of them, two of them were already broken by the time I got them, and they've just broken further. Of course they have, because they're cracked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had something else I wanted to go there. Um, I've toyed with the idea of of just buying used symbols, 
Why not? It's cheaper. Yeah. But I don't have a lot of use for cymbals because it's one of the things I make drummers bring, you know? Well, drummers are picky about that stuff. Or some drummers. Some drummers are. I should say. Yeah. Are really picky about that stuff. Some are like uberly picky about that stuff. And I dislike it when the, that particular drummer comes into Long McQuay and is just like, dig out every symbol you have. I want to try them. Even if they're the same model, I want to try them. Just, oh my God. Well, and I can understand that, right? Like, like from... From a, from a, see, I have a hard time understanding it because every time those people, they're just some guy who does like a little tiny show, maybe has a hard time getting a hundred people in to listen to his show. Meanwhile, I have the drummer from, uh, Kim Mitchell come in and he's just like, give me whatever. I will make it work. Give me this A, B and B series. Uh, I'll be fine. Preferably not, though. They'll just be like, here's the sizes that we like. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, well, and and, and those are... That's a difference between someone that considers themselves an artist, and I'm using air quotes for the radio world, um, and musicians that are working professionals, right? Yeah. Because, I mean... The the professional can't. Yeah, doesn't worry have, about that stuff because they have time to worry about those little details. Well, I mean, the, the, on their riders, they'll probably say, "If you can get these, we mm-hmm. like these." But yeah, and, if you and, can't, just give me some. And the ones, the ones that are that the ones that are really picky know that they're going to travel around with the stuff they like, right? And they're going to go through that extra expense of well, having the stuff that makes them feel more comfortable. Any artist that needs a like absolutely must have a thing for their show like they should be traveling with it mm-hmm. and most of the professionals bands that i've indirectly dealt with like that's been the case like yeah. you need your specific mic okay you have that mic with you mm-hmm. um although there have been some tremendously picky professional bands that have come into town and just like no substitutes it has to be this and just like, <laughs> Well, yeah. those things don't exist in Edmonton, so what do you want us to do? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> huh. I, like, I, I think a month ago I had that where some metal band demanded that we uh, that there was a very specific Pearl kit, hmm. but they needed to have matching uh, kick, kick drums. drums. And it like the finish had to be a very particular finish like a red or a black is what he wanted and they had to match it was just like jesus guy so like through like weeks of talking with the people trying to fulfill the the rider and then talking to the band and like trying to work things out they eventually settled on a different pearl kit because we had two of the same finish of a different pearl kit in the city it's just like okay we can grab a kick drum from that kick that kit and give you the full kit yeah and then maybe that'll work you'll have to tune the drums so that they sound the same but <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah i um i haven't had a lot of really picky people come through the studio um 
but at the same time, I mean, I can, I can appreciate the pickiness. Is there? Well, in a studio, I I, I can understand it because you're recording things. You want everything to sound as nice as possible. But in a live setting, I don't see the point of being that picky because no one gives a shit about the subtleties of this 14 inch hi hat versus the next 14 inch hi hat. Yeah, and and I mean, there's there's something to be said. There's something to be said for things that cause performance issues. For example, a guitar setup. You know, that's an issue. That's a performance issue. If the strings are set up too high, sure. You know, yeah, that's a problem. If the if the neck is a little bowed, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if the string gauges are really different than what you are used to, that's a problem. Um, if the uh, if a drummer is used to playing a really tight kit, and I mean like skins tightened really really tight, and they're playing something that's really sloppy and loose, mm-hmm. that's an issue. Professionals will work through it, right? Well, professionals will usually do what's called a sound check and make sure those things are correct. Are, 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 yeah, to make sure they're taken care of. That's right. <laughs> I've I've had to walk through somebody on how to use an X32, and apparently the band that, like, they, I had to show them how to set up multiple monitor sends on the board, mm-hmm. and apparently the band didn't want to do a sound check, which, at which point me and one of my fellow co-workers in rentals were like, well, then they don't get a monitor mix. (laughs) (laughs) Like problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, were you, were you talking with like a, like the band's touring sound guy? Is that the, no, no, this is a sound guy for just a local. Yeah. Just a local guy who was hired for a gig and they were, they were told like, yeah, we want, three monitor mixes mm-hmm. and then he he had never done that before on his x32 that he owns okay um so he came to long McQuaid to ask us how it works and i showed him how to do that because i'm the one who has the most experience with an x32 in rentals right um so i did that showed him how to create multiple sends which took like half an hour <laughs> I think I had to explain it like five or six times to the guy, which whatever, it, it, as, as long as he got the information, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but he had made a question of like, well, what if they don't want to do a sound check? Cause we were saying like, yeah, during sound check, you just make your mixes for the band and then you don't have to worry about it. Right. But yeah, that question came up and it was just like, the, the both of us that were working at the time, there's just like, well, then I guess they don't get a monitor mix. Because <laughs> that, that's pretty much exactly what I would have told anyone. If I was being hired to do a live show and they told me they're not doing sound check, but they wanted three monitor mixes, my response would be, then you're not getting three monitor mixes. You're getting one and it's whatever I set up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> I've, I've worked with bands. I've worked with bands that don't do sound check. Um, but every single one of them has a sound guy that travels with them. So that, that knows, guy probably knows, knows what, what they want in the, in, in the monitors. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, they probably done tech rehearsals and talked to that guy. And so he knows what everybody should have. Or, they, or they've been on the road 
for six months and, and the guy knows by now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. But to not, <laughs> to not do a sound check. Yeah. Like the whole point of a sound check is to get the sound guy familiar with you to get the system sounding right, to work out bugs, have a new venue with yeah. Your so new that stuff. when you're performing, you sound as good as possible. Yeah. I I don't think. And your sound tech isn't going like, oh shit, there's a problem, and like running around and trying to solve it, solving the problem instead of making you sound good. Yeah. 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 Dumb. Just dumb. Um. But it was great. Uh, hearing like I guess they rented some speakers for that weekend but and then hearing that they when they returned what ended up happening I guess the band had a uh, an eight channel mixer that they plugged in all their instruments to and then sent that to the x32 it's just like what's the point like why do you why did you hire an engineer with a 32 channel board if you're just going to use your little eight channel board what the fuck and not give your sound tech the things he needs to make sure you sound good. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, I I was just like laughing. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever. If he still paid you for it, then whatever. <laughs> That's super weird, dude. Yeah. It was funny. That's super weird. Because they want control. Yeah. From what I heard of the return, it's like, because they want to control over their sound on stage. And it's just like, no, well, that, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, have a sub snake, have yeah. a, have a splitter art sells, uh, ART sells an eight channel, uh, or a 16 channel, um, uh, Y splitter unit designed yeah. specifically for that kind of thing. Yeah. And then um, you can have your mixer feed into your monitors. When I, when I mixed Cytheria this time last year, mm -hmm. um, at the forge that's exactly the system they came up with they, they wanted they wanted their own um, splitter snakes even exist well and and they'd had they had a couple of uh a couple of art um splitters. mic splitters yeah and, and 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 it made it so easy yeah you know um we there's had, even those um it's probably not as good as a, a an actual mic splitter but there is an adapter that go, like will take an xlr and split it into two yeah, I know, right? Um, and and really, that's that's all those mic splitters are there because they're passive anyway. Okay. Yeah, but that's all a sub snake is, right? It's passive as long as as long as uh, well, yeah. phantom power is only coming from one side, then then yeah. you're uh, you're fine. Okay. Yeah. There's probably maybe like transformers and stuff in there to make sure that if no, no, open them up. It's just it's just. It's just wire. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would have thought that maybe there would be a transformer to make sure that Phantom Power is not being fed from two sources. Not not in the cheap stuff. I'm I'm sure I'm sure some of the more expensive units there's something like that, but every every split snake that I've used, um it's just wire. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there's better ways to go about it. Exactly. But what can you do when bands get ridiculous 
um, ridiculous ideas in their heads Mm -hmm. and they get stuck on ridiculous ideas. I've had bands like actually question me like when they're looking into buying a mixer and they're like, so if I buy this mixer, how mad is my engineer going to be? Uh, I explained to him like, (laughs) your engineer's not going to enjoy the fact that he has less control over what you're doing. But I mean, if that's what you want to do, um, I don't think they're going to complain about it. If they're a professional anyway, they're not going to really complain about it. They're just going to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. It is weird though to have like 32 channel board available to you and for a stereo decide mix. to just send them a stereo mix. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's that's the that's the problem with people who don't know what they're doing, right? Yep. Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of those. Um, so, like hell, I even had one to, uh, yesterday. They were complaining that a cable didn't wasn't the right cable, and I, I looked at the cable. And all it was was they were given a a quarter inch to male XLR instead of like just a regular XLR, so that they could go out of the XLR outs of a board. They had to go out of the quarter inch main outs. Right. And I had to explain to him, like, no, this cable will work. You just were doing it wrong because you don't know what a combi jack is. <laughs> That's such a common thing. It is <laughs> weird that people don't understand that a combi jack can take two different kinds of yeah. inputs. It, it's not just a quarter inch. It's... Even people who've been doing it for like years, like it'll be like their first time using a combi jack and just like, yeah, where's the the XLR ends? It's that weird looking thing with the Mickey Mouse. <laughs> with the Mickey Mouse shape in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I saw an interesting, um, an interesting YouTube video by the channel Vox, V-O-X, not, not the guitar amplifiers. Um, this is a, um, this is like a student run news group out of, uh, of Boston, I think really like their delivery style. Um, it's, it's casual young adult, but adult, um, delivery, but very professionally done. Um, sound quality is really good. Video quality is really good. They're well-written scripts mm-hmm. and well-researched. Anyway, the last, the last one that I watched just a couple days ago was, um, uh, a discussion about whether technology is going to take away, um, take away our jobs, right? Not us as a recording industry. They were talking about, they were talking about like, People in general. People in general, a global yeah. economy, right? <clears throat> and they they talked to this one economist and they had some nice statistics that said employment rates, since technology has started taking away jobs in like the 1800s, yeah. right? 
and even even just compared over the last 30 years as computers have really started to dominate um, the job market right uh, or, or more so than they had employment rates have actually gone up yeah and so for every job loss right and I and I, I was kind well, of thinking I was kind of thinking of our industry in this same in this same way we, you know with all the with all the automated things that are coming out yeah you know um all this stuff where you you don't even need an actual person to do it anymore i'm and starting i'm starting to think like what is the actual impact that that is going to have on our industry i don't think we have much to worry about because a person's always going to do different things than a computer is going to do computers just going to do what is technically good well a computer's going to do whatever's whatever it's been programmed to do right yeah which means so there's going to be no creativity in the approach that happens and whereas it'll, it'll be very homogenized but then again then again i mean you could say you could say similar things about chris lord algae mixes right i mean he's got a very homogenized mixing process sure. and and most of his stuff comes out sounding the same right so it's it's realistic to think and i've i'm sure you and i can talk about some local engineers that that do the exact same thing that that all of their mixes come out sounding the same um maybe right but i mean engineers like human beings in general if you give your engineer the ability to be creative like chances are they're going to do so uh like i have i've asked clients and i get a mixed bag of clients that are just like no we want to stick to what is here just make it sound cleaner tighter right. blah 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 just do the technical side of things then i have some other clients that are like well if an idea comes to you and like do it like if you think an egg shaker will sound will do something which even with those, some of those technical ones i i will still record an egg shaker and then bury it underneath or something <laughs> just so it sounds more well yeah. sometimes like a part like they have a hi-hat doing its little ticky thing but yeah. i i noticed that it doesn't have enough of a certain sound quality to it mm -hmm. so that maybe an egg shaker has that sound quality so i'll record that egg shaker and then it'll it'll tend to blend in with the hi-hat enough that you just think it's the hi-hat but the egg yeah. shaker's actually adding like a little sizzle or something to it was some interview I, I watched another YouTube thing. Um, See, and computers won't do that. Well, but that's the thing is a, a computer might be programmed to do that. But then it has to, it would have to understand that like there's not enough of something here that would artistically make it sound better. Computers aren't going to know that. Well, but see, that's the thing is I don't, I don't feel like adding a, I don't feel like adding a, an egg shaker or a tambourine or or something like that is necessarily an artistic thing. Sure. But I, I, I how are you going to program a computer to understand when those things are needed? You'd be surprised how that'd be a lot of lines of code yeah. just for that. Well, you know, absolutely. Right. You know, but I mean, that kind of, that kind of forward thinking automation is certainly within grasp. Sure. But, uh, maybe you add some other sound effect or something like that. that... Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, there, like there's, 
there's so many ways where we can rationalize that computers can't take our jobs. Well, they might make it so that it, it's harder to get into it because you'll have, as computers or like as the automation for these services, I guess, gets better. You know, like the people who aren't looking for those artistic engineers or what have you they're going to go with those automations. Whereas people who, you know, maybe are open to ideas for their songs change a little bit. They're going to go to people still. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be that job available. It just might be available to less people. Maybe. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking like that's worst case scenario. I think for a large part, um, a large part where I see it going is kind of the same thing I saw or kind of the same thing that happened with the recording studio crisis of the last 20 years where money hasn't been there for recordings, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's um, technology has made it easier for people to do their own recording. Yeah. Um, and so, so the bottom end of talent now doesn't have that barrier of entry. Re- yeah. Barrier of entry. But also, and, and, and it, it kind of cut out the fat of a lot of big studios, mm-hmm. but small studios like this or mid-sized studios like this, they don't, they aren't affected as much, right? Now sure. I see, I see something similar coming along, coming along um, with this whole technology thing is, is the barrier of entry is going to get even lower because now you have to have even less skill to do some of the technical side of things. Well, like there's lots of engineers that are liking some of the newer programs that are coming out because yeah. instead of having to know the seven knobs that are available, you have two. Yeah, a- absolutely, right? So, but the um, the part where I think the part where I think um, people are the part how I sorry how I think this is going to change our industry long term is it's going to again weed out kind of the bottom kind of the bottom the people who are who are largely not going to not going to be interested in um paying money mm-hmm. you know like i i i would i would fully expect to lose a lot of business from rappers because they can go to someone that doesn't know anything still make them sound okay and sure. and, and and be done with it right for, for half for yeah. half my price or less yeah and so i think i'm going to lose a lot of i would expect to lose a lot of that kind of client the people that are too cheap to pay for anything anyway but yeah. i i also expect it to it to create this this sense of awareness of what a person can add to a project, right? What what uh, what a creative individual can add to a product project, and and I I fully expect it to to weed out weed out some of the some of the engineers that aren't any good, maybe, while simultaneously forcing us forcing guys like you and I to have to be better to compete, which is good for the industry. 
right? Because yeah. I mean, there's definitely there's definitely things that that a computer can analyze EQ wise. That yeah. and there's a lot of like people who call themselves engineers that actually go about that, right? Where they add pink noise and then they freaking EQ and do balances of their mixes to match pink noise. <laughs> That is an actual technique. I know. I know. We talked about that. Uh, uh, I don't know about a year ago. Yeah. It's yeah. Pink noise stupid. mixing. Yeah. yeah. It's stupid. It just it, doesn't doesn't make any sense. I it, mean, it's it, an incredibly homogenized sound to it. Yeah. It, it's boring. But that's 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 one of the one of the dangers of of this automatic software. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's already software that will mix a song for you and stuff like that. Really? Yeah. Like full mix. Like here's my tracks. Give me a uh, mix. Yeah. Where like it, any it, idea what the software is? Uh, easy mix. Really? I can yeah. look this up. It'll like give you a preset type of thing. I I don't remember exactly how it works, but you you pretty much basically load a preset, and then you can print your songs or whatever like it'll add compression eq what have you easy and i remember competing against it no you remember competing against it yeah i remember somebody like uh downloaded the demo um and then printed a version of a song that they wrote using it uh and then I asked to have a copy of the same files and see if I could do a better job. And yeah. the, I think the conclusion was is that I was better mixing than the software. Reason being, I could see issues mm-hmm. with the song that this software hasn't been programmed to, to uh, take into account for. Take yeah. into account. Yeah, it's just been told to apply this EQ to these tracks or something. Um, I'm pretty sure it was called Easy Mix. I did a search for that and nothing came up. Automated song mixing. Uh, yeah, made by Tune Tracks. Tune Tracks. Yeah, like it's called the Easy letter mix. E and then followed by Easy. Z and then Mix. Mix. All right. That's so weird, man. Yeah. I I don't know what exactly it does because I, I remember looking at it and just being like, I would never need this ever. But like, I, I think they have, yeah, they have like presets that you can buy that are for certain genres. Huh. That's super weird. Um... Yeah, metal bundle, rock bundle. They even have like producer packs. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Son of a gun, hey. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, like I said, I, I competed against it, and the conclusion was, at least with that one song, that I did a better job than the software did. And and it even it even it even says here. Oh no, that's something else. I was gonna say it even says you. Uh, That's so fucking awful. Not, I, I take that back. I saw it coming, right? But 
Oh, this has been out for a while. Yeah. But yeah, that's a piece of software that exists is the easy That's crazy. That is just crazy. Um, In the grand scheme of things, I think this is going to be good for the industry because it's, it's going to push more people towards professionals. Well, that that's what I noticed when and, I had competed against this is I actually got more work because I showed that I could do better than a computer. Right. But even, even this thing, like it, it requires you to do, to do a lot of the work yourself, right? Nope. It, it is literally just a preset. Like they market it as like, you just select a preset you like and you can adjust it. But the idea is that the preset is going to make your music sound professional. Huh. And I mean, it, it sounds fine for what it is, but it doesn't, it doesn't automate or anything like that. It, it wouldn't, I don't think it would be able to because it wouldn't understand that, oh, the guitars need to get louder here. And that's an artistic decision there. Like, there's no technical reason why a guitar needs to be louder at a certain part. Well, but that's the thing is, is that's entirely, that's entirely within the realm of someone programming though, right? I can see, I can see some engineer somewhere sitting down and saying, um, all X, Y, Z parts need to be like this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, here's, here's how to think about automation and here's how much to increase, you know, and, and, and I mean, measurement software is so good that, that it could, it could analyze and adjust appropriately. Right. Shit could even do something like, like Andrew Sheps's mix, mix bus compression, uh, sidechain compression thing, right. Where he over squashes everything, but the drums so that, so that he doesn't have to do automation. You know, when it's, when, when the vocal stops singing, everything else comes back up a little louder. When the vocal comes back, everything ducks a little bit. When the guitar solo comes in, everything ducks a little bit. When it's done, everything comes back up louder, you know? Hmm. I've, uh, I didn't know about that technique. I, I've tried it a couple of times and I, I, I really liked it on one song and then I wasn't such a big fan of it on another. Um, but it's one of those things that I, I wish I tried more often because it, it does sound, it does sound really good. The thing about Sheps though, is he has like every one of his effects that he knows that he, or is a go-to for him, like yeah. on his template and he'll bypass it if he doesn't feel like it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I get so confused with, with, with setting up templates like that. Um, I get confused listening to Andrew Sheps talk about audio sometimes. Really? He can get like super in like the deep end, like the super technical side. And I like to think of myself as a pretty technical guy when it comes to that stuff. But Sheps can get like, (laughs) especially like digital audio, like he could get into like the ones and zeros and stuff. And like, I don't know what he's talking about. We should get into that kind of stuff too. But another day because we're out of time. Thanks so much for listening. We, I guess, we'll check you next time. Yeah. Check you? Follow our hosts on Twitter 
at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.